What a beautiful day. Ah, it is a beautiful day, isn't it? The clear skies are going to make great sailing. Amazing day to sail to Tarshish. I don't remember a more beautiful day to sail to Tarshish. The sky is just beautiful and clear. The sea is so calm. We might make record time today. Yes. I'm telling you it was worth it to do those sacrifices. The gods have blessed us with clear seas. Yes, yes. God about, thank you. Could you help me with this big one? Yes. Can you all handle that? Absolutely. You don't think we're strong enough? I mean... <laughs> Less chatter. Get things done, boys. We got Copy that, Captain. Captain. What do you plan on doing when you get to port? Oh, I heard that there's a uh, all-you-can-eat buffet. I cannot wait to get there. And then I'm going to do a... a I'm going to find a couple of little ladies, and we're going to do a little dancing all night long. <laughs> Just a little dancing all night long. Maybe we should make a stop in Corinth for you. Oh, ha-ha. <laughs> How about you? What are you going to do? I, in fact, am also going to see a nice little lady. You are? Yes, I am. Very good. And we are also going to get our little dance on. Nice, nice. And you? Uh, I'm a loyal man. I'm going to write back to my wife. Uh, the third one specifically. She's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Boy, all the work is done. Captain. What do you say? Oh, a little song? Perhaps? I suppose. I promise I won't dance. Well, then definitely we'll make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> now the seas are with us, I suppose. A song's in order. Now we are ready to sail for the horn. Way, hey, roll and go. Our boots and our clothes, boys, are all in the pond. To be, be rollicking randy dandy oh. Soon we'll be pulling her out through the wharf. Way, hey, roll and go. Down we shall go, it's a heck of a way to be rollicking randy dandy oh. Heave a bar and heave away. Way, hey, roll and go. The anchor's on board and the cable's all stored to be rollicking randy dandy oh. You catching oh, oh. that? Looks like we might have a storm rolling in, boys. Yeah, it's an ill omen. Ah, nothing this ship can't handle. Oh, it was beautiful just a moment ago. Yeah, we've gone through storms before, though. This is nothing. This is nothing. This. It is changing quick, though. Carrying. See the tack and sundry are Nothing. locked down, boys. I don't think like this ship can handle, sure. guys. Nothing. Strong. Strong ship. Oh, this storm's really moving fast. Reef the loose sails. Wow. Oh, this is really changing course quickly here. I'm not sure I like this anymore. Large wave off the port. Brace. Hold on. Man, where did this come from? Where did the waves come from? Oh, boys, the seas are getting rough.
ship take this? Aye, we'll sail through. How can you be so sure, Captain?
see in the dry land. This is on me. I am running from the presence of the Lord. What? This is on me. This is my fault. Why you angered the Hebrew You must God? throw me overboard. Why would you bring Why this upon us? Listen, the sea will come. You have doomed you must us throw all. Me overboard. You have brought you wrong on us. God has called me to Nineveh to preach repentance to these foul, wicked people, and I will not go. I'm running from the presence of God. Let's throw this him will over. not stop. Let's this storm will not stop. Over, Captain. Throw him over. Throw me overboard. If the Hebrew God is this angry with us for just holding the man, imagine what he'll do if we kill him. Listen, this will get worse. That's correct. We make this for the God is above all. Yes. I can't believe it. This God of the Hebrews yes. truly is all-powerful yes. over land and sea. Yes. I shall serve this God the rest of my days for what he has done for us. Yes, yes so will I. Yes, as will I. Surely so, he is the one true God and can calm any storm. So shall we all serve him.
You know, today we're speaking on the marks of a mature believer and what that means when you mind your mission. Like Jonah is kind of that story that it's like God gave him a mission and he wanted to walk in disobedience and go the opposite way and just say no. God, I hear you. It's not a confusing conversation. Arise and go to Nineveh. There's nothing confusing about that. Jonah wasn't confused. It wasn't like, ah, what did God really say? Did I hear him correctly? Like, it was none of that. It was Jonah heard God very clearly that, Jonah, this is your mission. Jonah, this is your call. And Jonah, this is your assignment. And he heard it. And Jonah said, no way. I'm going to buy me a ticket. I'm going to get on a boat. And I'm going to go as far away as possible from the presence of the Lord. That's what this story is. And church, when you are a mature believer, you know what it is to mind your mission. You know what it is to know God's assignment on your life clearly to be fulfilled. And today we're going to take a look at this. And today we're going to kind of unpack this. And I pray that this is challenging. And I pray that this is eye-opening. And I pray that this is something that just motivates us as a church to go and do. When you know God has given you an assignment, you know God's call on your life, and yet you haven't responded to that yet, which delayed obedience is being disobedient. So, I mean, that's, that's what this day is. I mean, when you look at the true mark of a mature believer, they're on target, their own mission. They know God's call, whether that is at Tim Hortons, whether that is at work, whether that is at home, whether that is at the grocery store, wherever you be, you know, man, it is me being on mission in the name of Jesus everywhere I go to know my mission. Come over, you return me, please, to Jonah chapter one. Can we say thank you to our crew? Like, that was a great deal. That was fun. We put that together and man, that went great. How many got rained on? That was great. That was awesome. Come on, I want to look at this. Jonah 1, if you'd look at it with me, with me, please, let's check it out with great care. And let's just see what the Bible says about a prophet who knew God, who walked in a fear of God, who said no to God. And the outcome of that, where he's like, you've got to throw me in the drink. Like, throw me in the sea. This is getting worse. And you see through scripture where God, who is the creator of the sea and the dry land, created a supernatural storm on the sea. This wasn't an average storm. Like they began to cry out to their gods. Hey, this is your God. No, this is your God. Well, whose God is this? Somebody angered the gods. Well, whose God is this? The sailors who sail. This is what they do. Right, They knew the seas, and they realized this isn't normal. There's nothing normal about this storm. Something is supernatural about this storm, and immediately they turned to their separate gods. Angry? Are you angry? What did you do? This is your fault. So even they identified that this storm 
is not a normal storm. Church, what happens when we, we, we declare, God, you are great. We declare, God, you are all-powerful. You are all-knowing. God, you're everywhere all at once. Like we, we believe in this, but what happens when you see a story like this, a true account of a man named Jonah who said no to God, the God's like, ah, I know exactly where you're at. And a storm hurled. God hurled a storm, hurled a wind. Like when you see, it just is like, ah, God, you're a big deal. God, you're in control. God, you see everything. We say it. We sing about the greatness of God. But church, what is it that you believe it? What is it that you believe this true account of a man named Jonah? that we belong to the God of all power and might. We belong to the God who is in charge of all things. Like what happens when you believe in the sovereignty of God? To say, God, you are God. I sing about it. I raise my hands to you. But God, I know that you are great. I see it in this story. And I ask myself, is this more about Jonah? Or is this more about Nineveh? Is this more about God pursuing Jonah? Or is this a story more about, about God's grace to an evil, wicked people? Come on, look at this. Jonah 1, verse 1 says this. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Ammonio, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh. It's not a complicated message. We, we've got to understand that because there's so many times, church in our lives, please hear me, today will be a day that it's like, God, I know that you spoke to me in this way. God, I know that you've challenged me in this. God, I know that you've called me, but somewhere along the way, I said no. And it's not that God's confusing. It's not that you didn't hear right. I believe today is one of those days that we looked at this and said, God, <laughs> I, tried, I tried to play it off like it was confusing. I tried to play it off. Like maybe you weren't talking to me and try to play it off. Like maybe I'm not hearing you correctly. But you see, I want this to be a day that it is crystal clear that you heard from God. And if there is something that God has called you to, or if you know there's a mission or there's a person, or you know, I have been doing my part as a disciple. I haven't been doing my part in evangelism. I've lost sight of my mission. See, God speaks, and he speaks clearly. And he says this, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come before me. And some would say, well, why is it that Jonah even ran? Like, what was the big deal? Why? Was Jonah afraid? Was he scared? Was he a coward? Was he like, ah, oh, I don't want to go there because they may kill me? Like, no, he was a prophet of God. I, I don't believe for a moment that that was on him being a coward because he tells us later on in the book, I didn't want to go because I knew this would happen. I knew that if they repented, your grace would come and judgment would be away. Why did Jonah want them to be judged by God? Why did Jonah so desperately not want to go to Nineveh to preach the gospel of repentance and turning, or in 40 days, judgment's coming. That's the message. In 40 days, judgment's coming. Why is it? I don't believe it was because he was a coward. I don't believe that he was in fear. Church, he hated these people. 
Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, and the Assyrians were the most cruel, the most brutal people on the time of the planet. Like, you got to understand how brutal and how horrible these people were. They were an enemy to Israel. They were an enemy to the Jewish people. They were an enemy to everybody. When they would go in and capture a city, they would take the men and they would fillet the men. Literally, they would skin you alive. They would take your women and they would rape your women. They would take your children and kick their heads in to death in the streets. These were vile, vile, wicked, wicked people. They would behead you. They would flay you. They would rape your women and they would kill your children. Jonah's like, I hate these people. And if I go and preach and if they turn, your judgment would be relented. You would hold back judgment on these people. He's like, I'm out. Nope. I'm not going. And Jonah takes the ship as far away from Nineveh as possible to go to Tarshish. It says this, verse 4, And the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. And then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried out to their God. And they threw the cargo, which is on the ship, into the sea to lighten the load for them. But Jonah had gone below to hold below into the hold of the ship and laid down and he had fallen asleep. So the captain approached him and said, how is it that you are sleeping? Get up, call upon your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. Each man said to his mate, come, let us cast lots so we may lean, so we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And then they said to him, tell us now on whose account has this calamity struck us and what is your occupation and where did you come from and what is your country and from what people are you? And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Church, I stop here and I look at this. As you read this amazing account of this true story, you see where Jonah is a prophet of God. Jonah has a reverence and a fear of God. Jonah knows that God, you are the creator of all things. I know that I am on the sea that you created. I know this, that you are the one who caused this storm on my account. I know that. And he told them, I am fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Church, this is amazing to me that when you see this, it's like, okay, God, I know how great you are and I know how grand you are and I know that you are the creator of the sea, but somehow, some way, Jonah believed that he could run from God's presence. Church, it's like when, you, when you're a mom and dad and you take that, that little tyke that you have, that little junior that you have and, and mom and dad do something and junior gets all mad, he's just a little guy. He's like, I'm gonna run away from home. I'm like, all right, let me help you pack. This will be great, right? So you're like, you know, that's just good parenting 101, right? So you're just like, so little junior, he packs up all his stuff and he runs out in the backyard and he climbs the treehouse and he's hiding in the treehouse. And dad's like, gives a little bet, goes up, knocks on the door. Junior's like, dad, I ran away from home. How did you ever find me? Junior, I built the treehouse and I watched you climb it. The 
could you imagine what it is to know that, God, you are the creator of the heavens and the earth, and you created the sea? And God's like, Jonah, I know exactly where you're at. I know exactly what you're doing. You can't run and hide. So the Bible says that this supernatural storm took place and that it was God who hurled this storm onto the sea. And Jonah's like, ah, you found me. No kidding, Jonah. He's the God who goes before. He is the God who goes behind. He is the God who is everywhere. You cannot flee from his presence. David said, where shall I go to flee from your presence? You've got Jonah saying, no, God, I'm out. And God's like, ah, not so fast. Like this is that kind of tug of war that sometimes we play with God. Sean, I need you to do this. Ah, God, I want to do this. And church, I've experienced it not on this, this level, not on a big storm, not that God, creator of all things, would appoint this great fish to swallow Jonah in this story. Like, like this is kind of that, this is a big story. Like I don't think any one of our enemies that we would call for an enemy, which God calls us to love our enemies, but I don't think we had an enemy like Jonah had. I don't believe that you have someone that you hate that has flayed people alive that has raped women, that has stomped on children's heads in the street. Like, I don't know anyone who has an enemy like that here in this place. So like to try to compare is like, man, I don't know if I can really relate to the big story of Nineveh and the craziness and the wicked and the evil and the awful and just like, like God, like the big fish, like that's, whoo, that was a big deal. Like throw him over and all of a sudden, wham, he gets swallowed by a fish created by the creator of the heaven and the earth that God appointed to, hey, at this specific time, at this specific place, at this specific moment, I need you because he's only got so much. Like Jonah didn't have the scuba gear, right? How, many, how much time can you sit in the ocean before you drowned. So he's like, this exact time, this exact place, this exact moment, I need you to open your mouth and swallow the guy just swimming. He just got tossed. Like, church, when you try to unpack this thing, it's like, God, you are great. And God, you are in control. And God, I can't hide from you. And maybe our story isn't such a grand story as this. Like when I'm working only in PD and loving my job, loving my job. I was at the height of everything I wanted to do. I was on the SWAT team. I was working an undercover gig. I absolutely loved my work. And it was in this that it began to be a stirring of, Sean, you're not going to retire from this police department. I'm calling you to ministry. I'm like, yeah. I can still just volunteer in church. I can, I can run the youth group volunteer. I can do home group. I can do a college ministry volunteer. God, I can do all this. I love my job. We're doing a good thing. I love what I'm doing. This is great. God, this is my call. This is my desire. Don't, don't, we want you to fulfill a desire. Don't mistake your desire for God's call. Because I loved what I was doing. It was the fulfillment of my desire. And I have truly a godly woman in my life. My wife was saying, Sean, you realize you're not going to retire from the PD. God's got a greater call for you. Honey, that's great, but I'm just volunteering. I love what I'm doing. Renee, do you realize that 
in that moment, there's a lot less money going in to starting a church. Like we don't have that. There's not insurance. There's not, there's not retirement in that. Like, honey, like we, we can, we can, we can watch this, but first let me just retire. And then if God has a plan, she's like, honey, don't do that. God's calling you to ministry. church it was confirmed and it wasn't easy but man when you see the hand of God and what he has done here and what he is doing in this region and in this area of so many lives being impacted and affected and you realize God I could have I could have said no to this I fought it and I could have said no because I was fulfilling my desire. I was loving what I was doing. So church, what is it when when you look at this and you see this grand, huge, huge story of a man named Jonah who just simply said, no God, I'm gonna pay my fare. I'm gonna get on a ship. I'm gonna run away from you. And I'm going to go as far away as possible. God's like, not so fast, Jonah. I mean, God could have just said, see ya. God could have said, plan B. God could have said, I could use somebody else. But that, that's true. God could have used anybody. Jonah, I'm not done with you yet. Jonah, I've called you to this. You can't run from me, Jonah. You can't run from me. And then you see this. Then the man became extremely flight. Once they found out that he was a Hebrew who feared the Lord, who made the sea and the dry land, they realized, okay, uh, this this is on you. This is the Hebrew God. And the man became extremely frightened and said to him, how could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he told them. So they said to him, what should we do to you that may cause this storm to come for us? And the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. Isn't this amazing? I want you to see this because the storm starts and it's a supernatural storm. And then about halfway through, it gets worse. Like, you got to see this. Church, there's times in our lives that you just keep resisting. You know you heard from God. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't a gray area. You know God's called you to something, and you're resisting. You know you, God's called you to something, and you put a butt first. Ah, let me do this. Let me retire first. Let me get this chapter of my life. Whoa. And you know you've heard from God. And all of a sudden, life starts. Listen, please hear me. I'm not saying every time. But according to this story, the storm got worse. God's like, really? You're not in the sea yet? And the storm picked up. The details of this account where God caused the storm, they were fighting against it. God's like, all right, I'm going to increase it. Whoop. The storm got worse. So is there times in our lives that when we're resisting God, it doesn't go great for you? And you know God's called you to something, but you're resisting. And you know God's called you to something, and you're saying no. What is it 
Please hear me, church. What is it if God is getting your attention? And it's getting worse. That's this account. It happens once, and then you see it happens again. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea, and the sea will become calm for you. For I know that on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. However, the men rode desperately to return to the land, but they could not. Watch this third time, right? It starts halfway through. It gets worse. Third time, for the sea was becoming even stormier against them. Hey, this isn't working. The boat's falling apart. God's like, hey guys, did you get the picture yet? Turn it up. And the storm begins to get worse. So then they do, they come to this place. So they picked Jonah up, threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped. And then God appoints this great fish at the right place, at the right time, in the exact moment before a man would drown in the sea to swallow Jonah whole. And then we see three days later, the same fish, God speaks to this great fish to spit Jonah out on the dry land. Crazy. Because Jonah said no. Because God said, I'm not done with you yet. Nineveh needs the gospel. Nineveh needs the gospel. Turn with me to, to Matthew 28, please. Church, what happens on our level here? Again, it might not be a great fish that swallows you whole. It might not be, you know, you, you coming to the edge of the ship to jump off into the sea. But as you see from this true story, hear me now, please. When you walk in disobedience, and you resist the voice of God, and you resist the call of God, please hear me, it impacts the people around you. Because Jonah said no, and Jonah was running, it didn't just affect Jonah. Sean, do you think that ship would have gone down? I, I think we have a scale here that says if he wasn't in the sea, that it was just going to keep getting worse, and the ship was falling apart. Cargo throwing overboard wasn't helping. Rowing to the shore, it wasn't helping. But how, how true is that, that if you say no to a clear call that God has for you, how do you think that impacts and affects the people around you in your life? If you know God is calling you to stand for something that's true and stand for something is right, and you say no, how do you think that impacts and affects your family that is around you? Like we've got to see the details of chapter one of Jonah. There's more to this story than just Jonah. There is a whole city, a whole city that is a three-day walk, which is huge, that would have been affected. Yes, God could have called somebody else. We don't have that part of the story. But if they didn't come to repent, God's judgment was coming in 40 days. Come on, church, look at this. What is part of our assignment? What is part of our, part of our assignment? Matthew 28, I want you to see this, verse uh, 18 
It says this, verse 19 and 20 will be on the screen, but I want you to hear this first. It says, Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on the earth. I love this. Jesus is like, listen, guys, I need you to know this. this is after his ascension. He's just about ready to take off and float to the sky and sit at the right hand of the Father. Like He's already been raised from the dead. They've seen him. They're amazed. Some still carry a little bit of doubt, but they're like, oh, wow, this is amazing. And then Jesus said, listen, I want you to know something. All authority has been given to me from heaven and earth. And I need you to hear what I'm about to say. This is Jesus. Like, listen, I want you to know this. This is all authority given to me. And I'm about to say something to you that you need to know this. This is what Jesus is saying. Listen, guys, hey, huddle up. I have been given all authority from heaven and earth. And then he says this. Here's the mission. Here's the assignment. Go. Hey, hey, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Arise and go to Nineveh. Hey, Jesus gathers the, the, the disciples. They listen. And got to remember, the disciples and the apostles are signing pastors and teachers and to, to local churches in the day, saying, listen, this is something you need to teach to your people. Go. Make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like, like this is the assignment, church. This is the mission. The mark of a mature believer is on mission. Like church, how important it is that you and I are on our A game when we understand the very mission that God has given the church, the very mission that God has given you, the very direction that God has called you to, to go and make disciples. Disciple is just simple. It's a follower of Christ. I've come to know my sin. I've come to repent from my sin. I believed in Jesus Christ. I've confessed that he is Lord and he is master and he is the sir of my life. And I bow my knee to him and surrender and I give up to him. And in that, that's a disciple. That's a follower of Jesus Christ. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then watch what he says. I love this. Teaching them to observe all my commandments. Church, yes, we want people to truly come to the truth of repentance and the gospel and the good news. But what is it then to continue to say, listen, no, this word is truth. And you can't play games with truth. You've got to follow hard after truth. You were called to live out truth. You've got to see what God has called us and commanded us to follow through with and to understand. God, yes, I am born again, but I need. Look, look what he says. He says, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you and that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So church, a part of our mission that you would know, this is my mission, man. This is my call. You don't have to be called to full-time ministry. You don't have to be called to, to, to the mission field. You don't have to. You are called to go and make disciples, whether that is at Burger King or McDonald's, if you like those places, whether it's Tim Hortons, which I'm a big fan of, whether it's Chip, Chipotle or whatever it is. Haven't been there yet. Don't have the hour to wait, but I hear it's great. I hear it's amazing and I'm pumped about that. Like, like whether it's all of these places, whether it's at your workplace, whether it's at your home, whether it's in your neighborhood. Church, are you on mission? Always. For it is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. 
And church, what happens when you get this direction of, of my mission is evangelism. We are a very evangelical church. We want the gospel to go forth. As you know, we are not ashamed of the gospel. We are not ashamed of the truth. We're not ashamed of the simplicity of the gospel. There is heaven and there is hell. There is team Jesus and there is team Satan. You're on one or the other. There is eternal life in heaven based off of eternal life because of Jesus Christ. There is also eternal damnation and judgment in hell because you never came to respond to Christ. You've rejected Jesus Christ. Like all of this is just simple. Two teams, heaven or hell. John 8 says you're either of your father God or you're of your father Satan. He is the liar and he is a deceiver. And church, he's really good at it. And this is why the message has to be so simple. And that's why the message has to be so clear. It is not complicated. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody gets to the Father but through me. I am it. I am the answer. I am the solution. It is only through the beautiful work of the cross. Church, it's not a complicated message. It is the message that saves. And God says, listen, every one of us, need to be in mission. Every one of us need to know the call. Wake up in the morning and say, God, I want to be on mission today. God, I want to be in direction today. God, if there is an opportunity, God, to be able to share the gospel with somebody. God, I don't want to miss that opportunity. If there's an opportunity to pray with somebody, God, I don't want to miss that opportunity. Church, what is it if you are working on relationships, whether it's at work, whether it's in the neighborhood, for whatever reason, what's your purpose on that relationship if they don't know Christ? And the purpose on building a relationship is, God, give me that open door one day to be able to share the gospel. God, help me to build a relationship with this person that they see there's something different in me. God, they see your spirit in me. God, they see that I'm walking in a manner worthy of you. I am not like the world because I'm not a part of this world. And God, just maybe someday, some way, God, give me an opportunity, maybe it's today, to share the good news with this hurting, broken person who doesn't know you. Church, that's the mission. And we cannot lose sight of that. What happens when you're at work or wherever it would be, and you know, you know there's this nudge from God's spirit. Go talk to that person. Go ask that person, hey, is there anything that I can pray for you? Hey, I'm not trying to be nosy, but I've been watching you and there's something off about you. I just want to make sure if you're okay. Is there anything that I can pray for you about? Church, what happens truly if we just really start paying that close attention to people around us? Just ask God for the opportunity. God, I don't want to miss the call. God, I don't want to miss me being on mission. God, give me the opportunity today. God, maybe it's not today, but I'm going to wake up tomorrow and look for the opportunity. God, give me the opportunity to see, open my eyes, to see, open my ears, to hear what I need to hear. God, put me in the exact place that you need me, that I'm on target and I'm on mission today. It's that important. Church, people need Jesus. And we are called to go and make disciples. We are called to be salt and light. We are called to preach the gospel. The Bible says, how will they know? How will they know unless someone tells them? It's not enough just to pray. There needs to be action. 
that needs to be looking for that opportunity. Well, Sean, I don't think I'm real good at that. I don't know if that's my game. I don't know if I can go to work and just say, hey, can I pray for you? Like they might think I'm weird. Or they'll break down in tears going, how did you know? How did you know? Church, we cannot shy away from the nudge of the Holy Spirit because you're afraid of a no. We are called to be on mission. We are called to go make disciples. Every one of us. It's not the pastor's responsibility to just be the evangelist. My responsibility is to equip the saints to go do the work of the ministry. Do we, do we got to get that right? Like Sunday's discipleship class every week. We want those who don't know Christ to come in here and hear the gospel and respond. But church, it's for you and me as well to grow and to learn. People are like, Sean, when do we have a discipleship class? Every Sunday. Well, I only make it like once a month. Ah, you miss class. I don't know what to tell you. Like, be here and grow and learn and absorb and then go and do. It should be the heart of every pastor that is the church that God's calling to is a church that goes and does what is preached because it's a responsibility to equip to continue to grow them, the church, to do what? The work of the ministry. That's us on mission. How many people in this region, how many people do you know that just don't know Jesus? Church, what is it for you and I to know that there is a mission for us to stand for that which is right and to come against that which is wrong? cannot shy away from that. Come on, 2 Timothy, please. I want us to shy away from that call of what it is to stand for what's right and to call out that which is wrong and to give stern warning. Hey, the bridge is out ahead. This isn't complicated, man. Two teams. The gospel message is just so simple. And I want us to hear truly from God today. God, I need to go do the work that you've called me to do. Maybe you're in this place and you realize, God, you've called me for this. Or you've called me into this. And God, I've resisted. It is truly my hope today as your pastor that there is a conviction of the Holy Spirit to say, God, today's the day. It's time to begin to pursue you've called me to Nineveh, God, it's time to go to Nineveh. God, if you've called me to this person, if you've called me to encourage this person, God, it's time. I can't keep saying no. If you've called me to call out wrong, it's time to call out wrong. 2 Timothy 4 verse 1, it says this, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and in Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead by his appearing and in his kingdom. I preach the word. I love this. Preach the word. He's telling Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Be ready to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with great patience and instruction. Hey, hey, Timothy, you got to get your people ready. And there's times that you, you need to do this thing called reprove, which means there's times that you got to call out wrong. 
There's times that you just can't let wrong keep going and being wrong. Church, there is right and there is wrong. One of the greatest lies of this day is the deception of the enemy that he has so clouded the view of the simplicity of right and the simplicity of wrong. And church, where are we on these issues where a dude is no longer a dude and a woman is no longer a woman and you have to go by their rules? You're supposed to follow their lies and be okay with it. Church, what, what is it that, that the, there are men who can now follow women into the women's bathroom and you're not supposed to say or do anything about that? That's simply just okay. Church, this is crazy. This is crazy. That's not okay. If there's a young lady and some dude follows her into the bathroom, this is disgusting. I don't care, dude, if you're wearing a dress. You're not a woman and you have no business being in her bathroom because it's uncomfortable for that young woman. This is disgusting. Church, what happens when you say enough is enough and wrong is wrong? If that's your daughter, you can't be okay with that. No, but this is our mission. We're called to call out wrong. We're called to call out wrong. That's wrong. And for us to be demanded and told, no, you have to say that's okay. You have to affirm that. Ah, no, I don't. And no, I won't. Because my mission is to say that's wrong and that's disgusting, and you're violating young women, and it's not okay. That's what we're called to do. So church, what happens when we do the reproving and then we get into the rebuke, which is this, hey, the, the, the bridge is out ahead. That, that's, that, that's that warning, that stern warning. Hey, listen, listen, listen. The bridge is out ahead. Listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ and you die without repenting and believing, there is eternal damnation. This is real and this is true. Hey, love you. The bridge is out ahead. And then the exhorting is the encouraging piece with patience and instruction. And he tells Timothy, he says, listen, go out and do the job of an evangelist and do your ministry. Timothy, know your mission. Be on target. Go do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Church, what has God called you to? Church, these are just urgent times. What has God called you to? Can you hear Timothy's voice on, hey, listen, fulfill your ministry. Know your mission. Be on target. Don't stop. Don't give up. Your ministry doesn't have to be preaching. We're all called to go and do. Come on, last verse. We got we got cruise. Come on, we're about done. Come on, Luke chapter nine. We're gonna be done here. Just real quickly, Luke chapter nine. This brings it down to the simple little things we talked about: the big fish and Jonah. And whoo, that's crazy. Like ah, I don't, I don't, I don't think I hate people like that. They're evil people. But man, the, the whole great fish and God pursuing in the storm, and it's just like, man, that's just, oh, that's big. But man, I love. The Lord brings it down in Luke chapter 9, 
verse 57, and this is just this beautiful picture of the small things. And as they were going along the road, someone said to him, meaning Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He's like, you sure about that? There's times that stones are going to come flying. There's times that you don't got food. And there's times that you run out of town and you got nowhere to sleep. You sure you want to follow me? And then watch this. There's a switch. This is one coming to Jesus. Now this is Jesus coming to someone else. And then Jesus said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first. Watch this. Watch this. Permit me first to go and bury my father. And, and that just didn't mean that the father died. That means we're in a season that dad could go. We don't know when that's going to be. But it could be soon. It may not be so soon. But just let me first go take care of this. Jesus is calling him. As if Jesus doesn't know the condition of his dad. Like, hey, follow me. Ah, not yet. Permit me first to do this. But Jesus said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. As for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Church, this is the mission. This is the mission. Go everywhere and proclaim the kingdom of God. And then another also said to him, I will follow you, Lord. But first, here's the second time, but first, permit me to say goodbye to those at home. And Jesus said to him, no one who's putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Hey, I'll follow you, but first. Jesus like, hey, come on. Hey, I need you to follow me. I would, Lord, but first. Hey, I'll follow you, but not yet. First, let me do this. Come on, everyone, what is the but first in this exact moment right now? Well, you know God has called you to something or God has called you to someone. God has called you to evangelize someone, to speak to someone, to be praying for someone and asking God for that moment. And you know it. And you know God has put a call on your life. You know God has called you to stand for what is right. You know God has called you to a particular person. And you know that there is this, this conviction in your heart for this person. There is this longing for this person to come. But you are the one who says, God, I will but first. God, I believe you're calling me to begin a church and start a church, but God, but first, let me just retire from the PD. Let me just finish what I've started. That would have been complete disobedience. That would have been complete disobedience. Come on, if you just bow your head just for a moment. I want to close this thing out. I hope they truly have heard from the Lord today that his spirit has nudged you or spoken to you or even reminded you because God doesn't forget if God has called you to something he's not going to forget but maybe you certainly have and I'm asking God that by his spirit, he would remind you again today. Say, hey, here's that nudge. Hey, here's that nudge. Hey, here's that nudge. 
Remember I asked you to do this? Remember I've called you to this? It's time to remember, it's time to remove the but first. Because Jesus said, listen, you can't put your hand in the plow and look back and go after something else. You're not fit for the kingdom of God. I just want to pray over you today and I just want to ask God to just move in your spirits in such a way. God, what have you called us to? Am I daily concerned about the people in my life daily? Am I daily looking for the opportunity to share your good news? Have I built the relationship with people on purpose? But one day, God, I believe you'll open the door for the, just the pure gospel. And maybe you're in this place and you've had this happen where you truly have walked in a manner worthy of the Lord and someone comes to you. I notice you're different. I'm not in such a great place. Can I talk to you? And, and then the door is just wide open for you to give the gospel and the good news of peace and hope and joy by the power of the Holy Ghost. Church, what are we doing? Truly, what are we doing? Stop living just for Sundays and stop living for ourselves and say, God, I want Monday to be a day that I'm on mission. I want Tuesday to be a day I'm on mission. I want that to continue for year after year and day after day and hour after hour that I am not falling asleep. And today is a day that we remove the but first. And I love you and I encourage you to do what God has called you to do. Stand firm on what God has called you to stand firm on. Stand for what is right. And make a difference. If God's calling you to something greater than you're at right now, then walk in obedience to it because it will impact the people around you if you don't. And God will just keep coming. God will just keep coming. Father, we're just in this place before you and in your presence. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your spirit. God, I ask that you move among us in this place in such a real way. And that God, we will respond back to you with our yes. I will follow you now immediately. God, I ask by your spirit that you would bring to remembrance every person that you have called every person that you've given an assignment, every person that you would get them on mission, God, that you would remind them of what you've called them to. And they would just simply go and do. Lord, we thank you. We're already way past time, but I just want to take a minute. Just ask God, God, speak to us in this moment.
and I pray that we answer truly with our yes and with our action. Come on in Jesus' name. Come on, amen. Church, I love you, and I praise the Lord for this church. If anybody needs prayer for any reason, man, we'll have people right up here up front. You want to talk more about Jesus? Love talking about Jesus. We love to pray with you. Come on. God bless.